Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we are talking about what issues you should consider before year end. We cover what to look out for for our clients, as well as areas you may need to pay attention to. We also discuss why it's good to look back over your favorite as well as least favorite purchases for the year and any last minute tips before the end of the year. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. Well, here we go again. It's that time of time of the month where we've got to get this taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like it's such a burden. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always scary to, you know, get on and record yourself. So nothing like hearing yourself in your headphones over and over again. But, yeah, for uh, sure. But I think this is uh, this is a really good topic. I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, end of year planning and execution, making sure everything gets done. Things to be considering as we were covering our notes bef- before we hit record on this. I know there's there's a lot there. So we'll oh, do our best to, to keep it in we're just a reasonable hit the, amount of time. We'll just hit the highlights. <laughs> but I think from a high level, there's plenty to do. If you're bored this time of year, <laughs> there's more planning that can be done. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For Um, sure. But I think just kind of to touch on some of the things that we look really closely at for our clients that to kind of review what they are and why we do it. Um, You know, I think obviously the biggest one, particularly this year because of the market volatility has been tax loss harvesting. So why don't we just jump into that one? What is it? And, you know, why should we pay attention? Yeah, so tax loss harvesting is really important because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to be as efficient as we can uh, with people's taxes. You you, you don't want to just um, willy-nilly taking gains if you can avoid it. So so picture our, our model portfolio. Let's say we have, I don't know, 75 stocks in that portfolio, that uh, blue chip stock portfolio that we manage. And let's say we started at the first of the year. And, you know, it's been kind of a rough year, but there's going to be a lot of those stocks that are still up for the year and and quite a few of them that are going to be down. And what happens is over time, a portfolio, you go two, three, four years down the road and some stocks are going to grow significantly and other ones are, are not going to do so well. And, you know, you can't just let a stock grow to the moon in the portfolio. If you have a stock that just, you know, it starts off at, at say, you know, one and a half or 2% of the portfolio and it gets up to five or six, it just has too much influence on the portfolio. And so uh, we've got to trim that tree a little bit and 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 that's going to trigger uh, a capital gain to our, our clients. And so what tax loss harvesting does is let's say we've got a stock that's, that's down 20 or 30% for the year, still a good company, pays its dividend. We still like the company. Uh, but but it's down for the year. What a tax loss harvest is, is we'll go in and sell that stock and, um, and realize the loss uh, so that it offsets some of the other gains in the portfolio. And then we'll come back and as long as we repurchase that stock, uh, you know, 31 days or more, down the road, then uh, we avoid any, you know, any uh, wash sale rules and some things like that that happen. So essentially what a tax loss harvest is, is just to sell a loser um, to offset the gain of a winner and uh, 
try to more neutralize your your current tax situation. Yeah, if you want to pay taxes, you're always pay more taxes, you're always welcome to send a check to the IRS, but let's not deliberately yeah. trigger that if we don't have to. And I think one thing to highlight along this as well is this, uh, you know, this only applies to basically non IRA accounts, Correct. trust accounts, joint accounts, individual accounts, anything that's not in that tax deferred or tax free, such as a Roth status. Um, this is where tax loss harvesting can be greatly beneficial for um, kind of trimming or neutralizing grown or excessive positions in the portfolio. Um, generally, when good companies grow, they grow really quickly, and it can kind of tip a tip a portfolio out of balance. And uh, so it's, it kind of a, is a way to neutralize the taxes as well as help bringing the portfolio back into an alignment as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, when we, when we look at that, that's just always an ongoing consideration, um, depending on somebody's, uh, taxable situation. Um, uh, but it's something that we look at every year. Uh, we re regularly look at, and, and we, that, that's one thing we do internally for our, our clients that we're always, uh, keeping an eye on that. Um, it's not something that a client needs to call up and say, Hey, let's make sure we do this. Um, it's just, it's just part of it. And the other one that we keep a very close eye on are those required minimum distribution. Now these are spe specifically talking to IRA accounts, uh, for those who are over previously 70 and a half and now 72, uncle Sam says you're required to take some money out of the account to pay the taxes. Um, but, uh, Paul, why don't you kind of walk us through the process of, of, you know, how we handle those and why it's so critical to make sure they get done. Yeah, I think the in regards to uh, RMDs, the, you know, the government allows these retirement plans, which is great. You know, we, we need to uh, pile up money um, for retirement to, to, to just supplement Social Security. It's, it's just, you know, we just really need to do that. And but it gets to a point where the government says, OK, we've we've kind of let you defer the tax on this account for uh, long enough. And, and we want you to start using it. That's what it's for. It's for your, your later years. Um, and so, you know, they just have a mathematical formula. And essentially when you start, they take your account balance uh, on, on December 31st. So let's say you, you turn 72 this next year. We're gonna take your account balance at the end of this year, December 31st, and there's just a divisor, um, and essentially, you know, approximately, you're going to have to take out about four percent of that account balance. So, let's say you have five hundred thousand in your your uh, your IRA account at the end of the year, your your RMD amount is going to be approximately twenty thousand dollars for the year. And and when that comes out, it has to be taxed. So it's uh, we're going to send you a 1099R that will in, that will uh, go in with your your tax return for the year. And um, it's just it's so critical that that money is comes out of the account because the penalties are egregious. If if we miss an RMD, the penalty is is the federal government uh, it's a 50% penalty. So on our previous example, there would be a $10,000 penalty for not taking the RMD. And in addition to that, you have to pay tax on the whole $20,000, which if you're in a 25% you know, tax bracket, that's another $5,000. So if we miss one, you know, it's easily, it could easily end up being a 75% tax penalty situation. And so we just want to make sure that those RMDs uh, get 
get taken care of and and get sent out. And we've never missed one so far. Where some wood, I need to knock on that. But that's something that we just we recheck and recheck and recheck, starting in about uh, middle of October through the end of the year to just make sure those RMDs are all taken care of. Yeah, those are those are really critical to make sure they're handled correctly. Um, there are some creative things you can do from a gifting perspective on those, which I think we'll kind of touch on later. But uh, yeah, making sure those the right dollar amount gets taken out. Most people satisfied if they're taking income through the course of the year um, kind of gets over that hurdle. But occasionally, oh, fairly often, it's not quite enough, especially as people uh, increase in age, that number tends to seems to go up. If, if the market's up, you're a little bit older. Uh, you're generally going to see a larger number every year. Yep. And so, yeah, it, that's that's one thing that we work here as a team to make sure those happen uh, for our clients and uh, um, that just need to step forward on those so that, so that they're not not missed on an ongoing basis. But then there's kind of some things that are outside of our control, um, some things that we don't always have entire visibility on, um, sometimes losses uh from other investments or other projects that happen outside of, of what we manage here for clients often impact us. Um, and, uh, you know, so at the end of the year, how do you kind of see reconciling all those together? So you, you always want to look for loss carry forwards. And, and you know, I always uh, have the expression that when you have a good year, Uncle Sam wants to be your partner. So, you know, <laughs> if your business does well, you make, you know, half a million dollars, Uncle Sam, he just, oh, he's just so happy for you. He just wants to be your partner. Uh, but when you lose money, Uncle Sam uh, doesn't want to be your partner. And so let me give you an example of a, of a loss carry forward. So let's say you have a business or you bought a home or a piece of property, whatever, and you pay half a million dollars for it. And, you know, two years later, for whatever reason, the bottom drops out of everything and you end up having to, to, to cash that investment in and you only get uh, $250,000. So you lose uh, $250,000. Uh, what I mean by Uncle Sam not wanting to be your partner on that is you can't, you cannot write off that $250,000 loss. You can offset some other gains with it. But if, if that was your only investment for the year and you have a $250,000 loss, Uncle Sam will let you write off $3,000. And he'll let you write off $3,000 every year until that $250,000 is all used up. So in other words, you'll be dead long before you use up the, the $250,000. So the reason we have people bring in their tax return, we, you know, we're not tax advisors, but we have to work hand in hand with your tax advisor uh, to, to understand and to know, uh, is there loss carry forwards? Uh, because that's something that we can implement into our planning for your individual situation we may be able to harvest some gains to offset those tax losses. And essentially what happens if you have a loss carry forward, we can rebalance that portfolio and sell some of those stocks at significant appreciation and, and not pay any tax because it's going to be offset by your loss carry forward. Yeah, I think that raises a critical point. We're not tax advisors. You know, we, we rely heavily on tax professionals and CPAs working hand in hand to make sure all these things are executed appropriately and, and done according to the tax code. Um, one thing we do that is because the tax code's always changing. And, you know, working with somebody who does it full time all day, every day, I, I think is very critical. Um, it, the, the target's always moving. And so, but the more we know, the more we can be helpful. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's never fun to admit a loss, <laughs> yeah. I think. 
And, uh, but, uh, anytime that's brought forward, it just opens up some other opportunities that may not have been available from a planning perspective, uh, for us. And, and the sooner, sooner we know, or the sooner we can loop, you know, be connected in with your CPA, uh, the better. And, and, and making sure that all those kind of come together before year end, um, because some of these things, uh, you know, need to happen before the year end. I think on that, another point is, um, you know, if you're working and have a, like a company sponsored 401k plan, making sure all your contributions get in before the end of the year, you know, there's some of these, uh, planning items and, and action items that just need to be done before December 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't get done before the end of the year, then, um, you kind of lose out on some of those, uh, benefits, um, uh, from a tax perspective by, by year end. And, and one thing kind of to remind people of from particularly from their 401k side is, uh, you can make additional contributions at year end. You know, I think you get used to putting in your hundred dollars every two weeks from your paycheck and you may not have reached your limit, but you may have a few extra dollars at the end of the year. You can still kick those in and get Mm -hmm. the tax deduction if you need it or, or get them in a tax free state. If you've got a a Roth 401k option available to you. Um, but once again, those need to be done before year end, same with Roth conversions or any, uh, anything uh, of that nature. Uh, just needs to be done before December 31st. And once again, that's a, a comp, uh, conversation we need to have uh, with yourself along with the CPA uh, because there's kind of outside moving parts that that uh, we can't always have our hands around. Right. Um, it, anything kind of from the employer-sponsored side, 401ks, um, I think that's kind of the big one. Just remembering that y- you can put additional dollars in there Um uh, as well as um, if you've got an HSA that you have it maxed out by year end and you're looking to save some extra dollars, it's a great place for it. Um, but then on the health insurance side, also, if you've reached your deductible, you know, schedule those doctor's appointments, get Absolutely. as many as before the end of the year as you can, yeah. you know, kind of once you hit that deductible, well, there's no extra for most plans. Get uh, those blood tests done, get that <laughs> shoulder fixed. You know, if you've hit that deductible, then, you know, get her, get her done before the end of the year. I'm guessing doctors get pretty busy this time of year yeah i'm assuming so um so yeah that's that's another from a health insurance standpoint of just make sure you're catching any additional benefits there from a savings on an hsa as well as as well as usage um anything from a dollar and cents else that's kind of on your mind on on year end you know other than that i kind of want to talk some some goals kind of think through reviewing the year of, of how it went yeah, I, th- I think let's go let's go into that. Just kind of review how how things went for the year. I mean, you know, we everybody kind of has a, a a plan and spending plan, and um, you know how how did it go for the year? So I know you have some favorite questions that you like to ask people, but yeah, I was I think it's a fun time of year um, at year end to kind of look back and see where the dollars went, and I think the funnest questions always to ask are, what was my favorite purchase? And what was my least favorite purchase? Mm-hmm. And I think year after year, my least favorite purchase is always taxes. But, you know, <laughs> I can't be the winner every time. <laughs> uh, well, you don't really have a ton of control over that. That, so. one's, that one you just kind of have to have to do. Um, but I think that's, those are great, great questions to ask, because sometimes in the day to day, you kind of, you know, you, whether you budget or you're, you're keeping track of things, you kind of just you know, buying the groceries day in and day out, you kind of lose track of the bigger purchases maybe for the year that, that you were excited for. And, and so I think looking back over the year, there's obvious ones that stand out for me, particularly it's around, you know, family vacations or spending time, uh, 
in, in that direction. Well, I think, I think definitely when you look back, it's, you know, everybody's got to eat, you know, you have to have something to drive. If you buy a really nice car, that might be, you know, you might think, oh, that was money well spent, but I agree with you. It's, it's, well, what did I, what did I do with the family uh, for the year? And those are, those are the, I, I never look back at those and go, gosh, I wish we wouldn't have spent so much on that vacation. You know, it's all, it's always like, man, that was, that was a lot of uh, fun and good time together and, and money well spent. So. And I think it's also a, a good time of year to look back and say, did the money go where my goals were? You know, I think if you're a regular budgeter, it's easy to review because you can just pull up a report and say, you know, how much were we planning and spending in this category and how much did we actually spend? Um, you know, I think the can, you know, going out to eat always gets a, a kind of beat up in these is because it's an obvious example. Um, but if it's a deliberate choice and your money went there, then, you know, that that's a great thing. Uh, you know, I think along with, you know, kind of choosing your favorite and least favorite purchases, also asking the question, did my dollars flow where I wanted them to go? Not kind of where they were tugged because of, you know, some short-term planning or, or not being prepared for some other things. Um, you may realize you've had maybe too small of an emergency fund as you mm -hmm. kind of go through that. Um, I know as we've had more kids, the emergency fund just has to grow stuff happens. And when there's more people in the family, more stuff seems to happen. Um, and so the bigger we can get that emergency fund, it seems to be, we can be in a little bit more control about getting where the dollars go, where we want them to go. Right. Um, I think also at, at year end, it's a good time to look at charitable giving. Um, you know, one thing you can do is use those required minimum distributions to, to do that, but also, you know, gifting to heirs or, or, or family or others. Um, you know, it's, it's a charitable time of the year. And, and if you're going to be charitable, you might as well try to find any tax advantages you can if possible. Yeah, for sure. The, the charitable giving this time of year is, uh, you know, really on my mind a lot. We have a foundation and we, we, you know, we, we have to, um, gift money out of that every year. And, and the reason I, I did that, I just want to teach the kids, uh, my kids a little bit more about, you know, we always have given to the church and, and I, I know a lot of people do that, but there's so many needs out there, uh, b beyond our churches. And there's just so many good charities out there. And just finding the the right fit for, you know, what your intentions are. We have a special needs daughter, and so I'm I'm kind of partial to charities that deal deal with special needs kids. Uh, you know, this time of year, this year, the the food pantry is you know really has a high demand there, and so there's there's some great things to do. And um, you know, those of you who are in the RMD stage, you, you really want if you have charitable intent, whether it's to the church or somewhere else, you you really, um, you know, you, you, you need to, to, to gift those dollars out of your, out of your IRA. And uh, the advantage there is it satisfies your required distribution. Um, but you, what happens is the money, we make the check out directly to the charity. So let's say you want to give it to the food pantry. The, the, the check would be made out to the food pantry from your IRA account. It satisfies the RMD. You do not have to claim it on your taxes. Uh, and on top of that, you still get to deduct it if you itemize on your taxes. And so it's by far the, the, the best um, use of IRA money if you have charitable intent is to, is to gift to charity outside of your IRA account 
if you're over age 72. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're in those required minimum distribution stage, you know, you, you have to take the money out. It's a, it's a great way to do it. But I also think charity is a great way, you know, charitable giving is a great way to kind of bring together a family from a financial perspective. Often we kind of get isolated in our own buckets. You know, mom and dad keep their finances private from the kids. The kids keep theirs private. Sometimes that tends to drift that way for one reason or another. And uh, whether that's a good thing or, or not, um, but, uh, but I think you can use this time as, as where we want to give money collectively as a family can be a good conversation and kind of open those doors to be able to talk about money in a way that's not set around, well, how much does mom and dad have mm-hmm. or how, you know, uh, and, and so I think that's, it's a great way to, you know, bring a family together in a positive way around dollars, particularly if you've had, you know, troubles around that, uh, you know, historically when it comes to family conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think year-end charitable giving is is a great opportunity to not only help out, get a little tax advantage if you can, but also kind of bring, bring people together. The other part of, of gifting this time of year is just, uh, you know, should you, should you do some, some gifting to children or grandchildren? And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, people that do that. They want to help fund uh, kids or grandkids' uh, education expenses, and and or or their estate is uh, a lot larger than they feel like they need it to be. And and so gifting is a just gifting to your to your heirs uh, directly. Uh, that's limited to about I think it's about sixteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars per year per per donor to each donee. So a couple could give 32,000 to a grandchild or 32,000 to a child. Uh, but, but that's kind of how that works. And some people do that for education expenses. Some people do that just to kind of, you know, dilute their estate because they have a lot more than they need. And they figure the kids could probably use it now rather than waiting until they die to use it. Yeah. I, I think with all those in mind, I think this has been a great conversation for year end planning. Um, you know, we're, we're not, tax professionals were just involved in this world day after day. And so being coming from a planning perspective, uh, the more we know, the more we can help. And obviously each person's situation is unique and individual. And I think uh, the more you can spend time thinking through your situation and we're obviously happy to help work through kind of the dollar and cents and, and pointing out um, areas that have been beneficial from, from other clients that we've seen. But I think that's kind of covers everything that we wanted to cover there. And uh I think until next time. See you next time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman, and Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. 
Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.